Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. It is time to watch another movie. I'm Mike McDonald. Here with Jesse yeah. Stratton. How's it going, yeah, Jesse? I'm 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 okay. I'm doing good. Today we are watching the 1988 comedy Assault of the Killer Bimbo. Dun dun dun. One of my favorite movies during my formative years was this movie. Uh as like, you know, what, 14 through 16, like that, those air. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite, my favorite shows was uh, USA Up All Night. Absolutely. And this was a staple, that show. Oh, yeah, uh, I can see that. It's great to get people into, like, crappy B-movies. You know, I think this movie's classic. And, uh, like... Yeah, I, I can know, see this being one that they did with both Rhonda and Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, yeah, no, this was, like, uh, when they didn't have nothing to show. This is, like, a, an off week. They would just show this. Like, it was on there all the time. And uh, what you going to call it? Uh, Joe Bob Briggs, he had it on there a couple of times. Oh, uh, he man. Had the director, he had the director of this movie on there uh, and shit. Uh, after that other movie, we'll talk about that later, uh, came out. And he was like, you know, they ripped you off and shit. And, you know, gave her accolades and shit. And uh, also, it's one of the most wholesome uh, exploitation movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it really is. That surprised me. Yeah, you, you think by the title and the first five minutes of this movie, you're like, oh, this is going to be like just chauvinistic as fuck. And, uh, you know, you can't watch this in mixed company and shit. Man. But to me, it's like a, a a feminist exploitation movie. Yes. Yeah. Yep. If if Thelma and Louise was an exploitation movie, it would be this. Aha. So you did the thing. You brought up the movie. I wasn't <laughs> going to do that. But no. <laughs> Thelma and Louise came out two years after this movie. Yeah, they totally ripped us off. So, yeah, who's ripping off who? Thelma and Louise, producers. There you go. Yeah. This was part of a four-picture contract between generic films and Empire Pictures. Empire Pictures, of course, the distribution company formed by Charles Band, the man who gave us Ghoulies, Trancers, and The Reanimator. Oh man, that guy made his killing off of just making crap that I like. Charles yeah. Band, fucking Puppet Master, all the Full Moon movies, all that crap, man. Yeah, Empire Pictures went bankrupt in 1988. Band would form Full Moon Pictures later that same year and gave us the Ginger Dead Man franchise and, like you said, Puppet Masters. The film that was turned in by generic films was rejected by Empire, so they just reassigned the title to Anita Rosenberg, and she made this movie. Um, the one that generic turned in was later released as Cemetery High. I've seen that. Yeah, Cemetery High was supposed to be Assault of the Killer Bimbos, but Charles Band didn't like it. Thank God, because I love this movie. <laughs> Movie runs an hour and 20 minutes. It's a short watch. It is rated R because there are boobs and profanity. Only one set of boobs. It's all you get to see. It has a 17% on 
critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 44% audience score in spite of the fact that so many people love this movie. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, those people are wrong. Jeffrey Anderson of the San Francisco Examiner liked it. He called it a nifty, sexy B comedy. Meanwhile, Roger Ebert didn't think nearly so well of it. He said it is the most simple minded movie in many a moon, a vacant and brainless exercise in dreck. And I almost enjoyed myself sometimes, sort of. Yeah, I, uh, I watched that. A review and uh i really kind of wanted to like uh clip some of that shit out because that would have been funny uh <laughs> you know that that review uh i remember like watching that shit on tv as a kid because i used to watch that show what was it like at the movies yeah and then like there was a uh, gene shalton on like channel five the crazy eyebrow guy with the mustache love gene shallot's mustache oh, didn't think so yeah. much of gene shallot loved his mustache he never watched the movies as reviewing. He just made dad jokes about it. <laughs> you know, I knew he never watched those movies because, like, he just bury them and then, like, some stupid one-liner look into the camera, yeah. and then you know they do the weather after that. But like, yeah, man, uh, watching which one was it, Gene or Siskel? Siskel uh, it was, it was uh, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Yeah, I remember watching that shit, and that made me want to watch the movie more. Yes. And I was like young, you know, I was like 12 or something. Yeah, they you know? said a movie oh, stunk. I wanted to find out why. So I'm going to watch yeah. the movie. I mean, it'll mess you up sometimes, you know, but uh, yeah, go always, you know, take the road less travel and shit. Now, here's my measuring stick for Siskel and Ebert. They liked My Left Foot, a movie about a guy who learns to paint with his foot. <laughs> but they hated Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis. So. Man. So, fuck Siskel and Ebert. That's all I got to say about that. All I know is I saw that movie, uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. That Roger Ebert wrote. And, yeah, that guy's got no room to talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie was directed by Anita Rosenberg. She made four cult classic chick flicks before leaving the movie industry entirely to create a hand-painted furniture company. Uh, the rest of her portfolio is the short film Tuxed, which was one of the very first roles for Ice-T, nice. Bachelorette Pad, and Modern Girl. It was written by Patty Astor, known primarily for her involvement in the East Village art scene of the 70s and 80s, Anita Rosenberg, and Ted Nicolo, who gave us subspecies and terror vision. That guy rules. I love terror vision. It's like one of the best critiques of like American culture and shit. Uh, yeah, man. And just a crazy Italian dude with like a wicked mustache. Very. Uh, he worked on like everything in Empire Full Moon back in the day. Just a great dude. Love his work. And the cinematographer was Thomas L. Calloway, an award-winning cinematographer known for Broke Sky, Dead Man Rising, and the second movie we ever talked about on this podcast, Feast. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that guy's fucking... You couldn't tell by the look at this movie, because this is kind of like a low-budget movie. Right. But the guy, the guy does make the best of what he's given and shit. 
Uh, yeah, this movie was made on a budget of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that included making the whole movie twice. Yeah, that that was that was back then. That was like Charles Band shit. He's he was like a penny pincher man. And uh, yeah, now we are going to catch up with a whole bunch of friends from other movies we've watched on this podcast, and I'll bring them all up as we get to. Yes, yeah, I thought that was cool about this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of folks we've seen before in here, and and I love it. Movie stars Elizabeth Caton as Lulu. Love she her is, work. She's a Hungarian actress who moved to New York at age 18 to break into acting. She spent several years on stage with the American Theater of Arts before making her film debut in the trauma entertainment film Waitress which is the second in their series of sexy comedies that they made. She also appeared in Spy Hard, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, and Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. She's like a uh, screen queen, like, you know, legacy, you know? I've, oh, I've yeah. Her, like, all kinds of, like, schlocky, like, barbarian queen and shit like that. Yeah, she appeared in a long string of low-budget films before her final role, which was in 1999. Christina Whitaker as Peaches Page. She has appearances in the 80s TV series Heart to Heart and Hunter, as well as Night Court. My guess is that she was one of the prostitutes that Judge Stone sentenced to $25 in time served. <laughs> in just about every episode she does seem like a, like uh she's like a background actress but like she's like one that like never got to like the all the good lines and shit and then this movie she gets like all the best lines she really yeah she gets to be the mouthpiece of the trio yeah and play a pretty powerful woman for oh a yeah movie no, like this really well written Probably like the only one out of all three of them would, that could uh, pass the Bechdel test, but I don't think yep. she does in this movie. But like, yeah, they they wrote her pretty strong. Yeah, she also appeared in the women in prison film The Naked Cage. She was in They Came from Outer Space, and she wrapped up her acting career in 1990 with the soft horror porn anthology Love Street. They Came from Outer Space is uh, pretty good. I like that one. Yeah. Tamara Souza is Darlene. She has a total of six acting credits. After this movie, she played Marianne in Freddy's Nightmares. She also appeared in Hellroller, Beretta's Island, and she finished up her screen career with an uncredited appearance in Ellen. <laughs> nice. I would have just quit at Hellroller. That movie would have just made me quit everything. <laughs> We're never Is that one we need to watch? No, never? no, no, no one should watch that movie. That movie's just straight up, just oh god, it's so angry and artsy, but at the same time, it's really lowbrow. It makes yeah. it makes Rob Zombie movies look like Kenneth Branham productions of William Shakespeare. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're not watching that one then. Yeah, nah. <laughs> and our old friend Nick Cassavetes as Wayno. Oh, man, this dickhead. I don't know. In this movie, only movie I've ever seen him where he's not a dickhead. He started off his acting career appearing in his dad's films. He also had roles in L.A. Law, Matlock, and Quantum Leap. 
He was in Face Off. He was in The Wraith, which we covered in episode 30, way back in January of 22. Yay. He was in Farticus, where he played Adonis Papadapa Nopadopalopoulos. I'm that... not saying anything ever. <laughs> it's a movie about a guy who gets the walking farts every time he sees a beautiful woman. And yeah. it features Night Court alum Richard Mull. That guy was in a bunch of trash, too. Yes, because uh, he can, because it's fun. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, some of the best trash I've seen. Uh, House was pretty good. Uh, Dungeon Master was great. Yeah. Griffin O'Neill is Troy. He is the brother to Academy Award-winning actress Tatum O'Neill. And we also saw him in The Wraith, where he played Augie. And he was in April's April Fool's Day. I love April Fool's Day. Another Wraith alum, Jamie Bojan as Billy. He also appeared in Con Air. Mike Musket is Vinny, Big Vinny. He had recurring roles on General Hospital and The Young and the Restless and also appeared in CSI, Criminal Minds, Shameless, and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. This guy looks like, uh, I don't know, like when uh, Mad Magazine, right? When they would draw like Italian mafia guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, this that's him. A, the nose and the little mustache and all that, and the, the mannerisms. And one of the writers of this film, Patty Astor, as Big Vinny's girl poodles. <laughs> Movie opens with opening credits and extreme close-ups of a stripper and neon strip club signs. Inside a nightclub, there are a bunch of sleazy men at a bar. Most of the men are wearing polyester leisure suits in 1988. Red flag. Yeah. Vinny and Poodles are at the club, and they have a plan for something. We're going to find out what really soon, but they got a plan. Also, uh, Poodles makes it pretty clear that Vinny's a screw-up. And Vinny doesn't like being pushed around by poodles, but he's going to keep poodles around. Who knows? She's constantly just like belittling him throughout the whole damn movie. Throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Shifty Joe is the MC at the Aladdin A Go Go. He is the worst MC and possibly the most realistic nightclub MC that we've seen in a while. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, I'm pretty sure this guy's not an actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's out there to introduce Peaches Page, the queen of the go-go dancers. She's coming direct from from Broadway by way of the New York County Jail. <laughs> uh, Peaches is a Ginger Grant-style redhead in a bubble-covered bikini. Yeah, she does remind me of, like, Ginger from... Uh... From Gilligan's Gilligan. Island, yeah. Yeah, totally. Lulu is waiting tables and admiring Peaches. She's she's like totally starstruck watching Peaches dancing on this stage. Meanwhile, at the bar, Shifty Joe is upset because one of his dancers named Pocahontas is late. Lulu offers to go on in her place. She has a routine and a costume that she made herself. You, and you know immediately this is going to be bad. Eh, yeah, no, yeah. It, I made it all by myself. Out of what? <laughs> <That was the laughs> We're going to find out. Yeah. 
Well, Shifty Joe agrees, and Lulu is going on right after Peaches, so Lulu heads backstage to change clothes. We see Vinny sneaking around backstage, and he runs into Lulu. He says he's looking for the men's room, and she points him in the right direction. But then he just heads straight back to his table, where he gets mad at Poodles for calling him Snookum. <laughs> you know I hate that name. Well, Peaches finishes her dance and heads backstage where she congratulates Lulu for getting her break finally. Lulu is in a panic, of course, and has completely forgotten her dance routine. So, Peaches shows her a few moves as Shifty Joe introduces Lulu. Uh, the move that Peaches shows her is some kind of backwards doggy paddle, and she's going to do it throughout the whole movie. On stage, Lulu is wearing a bikini decorated with plastic fruit, and she is a horrible dancer. Yeah, she kind of looks like she's dressed up like uh, one of your mom's Christmas wreaths, but with like plastic fruit in it. Yeah, she took all the plastic fruit from the bowl on the coffee table that gets put out when you have company coming over. That's it, yep. And she just stitched it onto a bikini. That looks like a wreath. Oh, and she got a big stupid bow on her head like Minnie Mouse. And she's doing a, just a terrible dance. It looks like she's warming up to, to, to bat at a softball game or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. And the crowd is not having it at all. They are, they're booing her. She's getting frustrated. Fruit starts flying off of her suit with cartoon sound effects as it flies across the bar and uh, smacks patrons in the face. I love this movie's use of cartoon sound effects. Yeah, that was that was fun. It gets almost like uh, Three Stooges like level at some point. Oh, it's definitely Three Stooges, and we'll get to that here coming up. Well, somebody yells at Lulu to take it off, and she starts to, and that's when Shifty Joe shuts it down because, well, he could lose his license if this turns into a strip show, and so he fires Lulu. Lulu runs backstage, and that's when Shifty Joe calls her a bimbo, which pisses off Peaches, and she runs out on stage to berate Joe. She's told him to never use that word around her. Crowd is restless, and some of them are leaving. Joe's had enough, and he fires Peaches and Lulu. And, of course, Peaches responds with, You can't fire us. We quit. Yeah. Don't, I don't think it works that way. Meanwhile, Vinny and Poodles decide it's time to implement their plan. Poodles leaves to get the car and tells Vinny not to screw it up. And Vinny, well, Vinny's got a gun, which he pulls out in the middle of a nightclub so, because nobody will ever notice it. <laughs> Backstage, Lulu and Peaches are packing their stuff. Lulu's kind of down on herself, and Peaches is giving her a pep talk as they clear everything out of their, out of their dressing room. Back in his office, Shifty Joe is calling Bubbles to come dance for him. When Vinny enters, Vinny's got a message from Dirty Louie, and he pulls a gun out of his jacket and shoots Shifty Joe. Now, Peaches and Lulu enter, and Vinny gives Lulu the gun and takes off. <laughs> That's slick. That is so slick. Just Yeah. Well, hey, here you go, chick, and then... I'm out, yeah, he just, he just, he just he's, they come in and say, what happened here? What was that noise? And he says, ah, yeah, good luck to you. Hands him a gun and takes off. <laughs> Guess what? It's got your fingerprints on it now. Yeah. 
Well, two guys from the bar and the bartender, who is just a huge person, just a massive human being. Yeah. They come in and they see that Peaches and Lulu appear to have uh, shot Shifty Joe. And they're going to stop them, except that they move out of the way to allow Peaches and Lulu to head out through the door. Yeah, I don't get that. So, like, you got two tough guys, and then you got this one dude that's, like, eight foot tall. He's, like, a wrestler or some shit with gold chains and shit. And they're there, you know, they're two little girls, comparative, you know. And then, so Peaches picks up this little gun, which is probably empty, holds it at him, even though that big guy could, like, easily disarms her. And they kind of, like, they do that. yeah, they do that little, all right, you, you turn, I turn, you turn, I turn. And then, bam, they out the car. And then they get in the car somehow, and those guys are still in the office. I don't get that. But, yeah, movie, right? Movie, yep. Well, they get to dead. They get to Peach's car, and they make their escape. They're driving around town at night. Peaches and Lulu are trying to figure out where to go. Lulu says they should go back to her place because she has ice cream. Nice. Lulu's my favorite character. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was born team Lulu. Ride or die. Uh, Pe- Peaches, by, on the other hand, she wants to keep running because it turns out she is a fugitive. Apparently, she was working on Broadway. And a sleazy producer offered her a big part in exchange for sex. She agreed, but then he wanted her to put on a Wonder Woman costume and handcuff her to his dog. So she hit him and he had him arrested or he had her arrested for assault and battery and she skipped out on her bail. So she's wanted for failure to appear. Motherfucker. Peaches has decided she's headed to Mexico. And Lulu is going to go along for the ride. Oh, yeah. It's like a Western. Here we go. As they're driving on a dark highway, Lulu is talking about UFOs attacking women on deserted roads. Oh, man, I <laughs> love she, those papers. She, <laughs> they attack the UFOs, kidnap women, and Bat Boy's been found, and an evil mining company accidentally drilled a hole into hell and released Satan. Yeah, I had that issue. That was the same one with the grasshoppers. <laughs> I loved I loved uh, Weekly World News. That was that was awesome. That newspaper and that show hosted by uh Dr. Rule. I don't know if you remember him. I don't I don't think I do. Oh man, Dr. Rule was like this uh Kind of like a radio personality. He had his own like public access TV show about aliens and shit back in the day. <laughs> got so big that Sci-Fi Channel eventually picked it up back in the early days of Sci-Fi Channel. Okay. It came on at like three o'clock in the morning, like after the infomercial <laughs> and shit. That's how bad it was. You had to want to see that show. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I had to set. My, I had to learn how to set my VCR to watch that shit. Well, Lulu tells Peaches the story of a woman who was abducted by aliens and they use some kind of device to strip her naked and she would freak out if a Martian ever saw her naked. Next day, Lulu and Peaches are on a desert highway. Peaches finds a radio station that's got a story about the murder of Shifty Joe and a description not of Lulu and Peaches, but a description of the clothes that they're wearing. So they pull into a truck stop to change clothes in an open top convertible while a trucker watches. 
Well, to, hey, to be fair, they didn't know the trucker was there. They pulled off over where a bunch of trucks and buses were parked. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's do this quickly, you know. We've all been to the beach before, you know, let's do it. But, yeah, then, like, <laughs> old Creepy Pete, he picks his head up over the steering wheel, and he's like, ah, okay. Yeah. Well, Lulu and Peaches head inside the diner to get breakfast. In the diner, an overworked waitress is being mauled by handsy truck drivers. And they all stop to notice as Peaches and Lulu enter. I love that. It's so funny. Like, they walk in, and it just it sticks on their legs, right? They always do the leg thing first. Yeah, always. And immediately goes to a toaster in the back, and the toast pop out. <laughs> and then you get all the truck drivers and, like, the chef and everybody doing, like, whistles. Like, even the ladies, truck drivers, yeah. are, like, whistling. It's, and hey, even, no judgment. Know, yeah, the even the uh, overworked waitress, like you know, she's some poor girl from like a small town, and this is like you know, seeing Hollywood stars as far as she's right. concerned. Yeah, but she's like struck as well. Well, they make their way to a table and start to look over the menu. The waitress brings them coffee and takes their order, offering them free pancakes. And the truckers start yelling for their food again. Outside, some surfers pull up and pile out of their car with pot smoke pouring out of the car, Cheech and Chong style. Well, you know, about about this time, like, uh, what's going to call it? It already came out. Uh, Up in smoke. Times, uh, well, yeah, but past times of Ridgemont High. Right. And that's where they, that's like a ripoff when Spicoli comes out with like Eric Stoltz and his buddies. Right. Like almost like uh, frame for frame, that whole scene. Well, this is Wayno, Billy, and Troy. They are surfers in the middle of the desert because, you know, surfers. I think it's extremely funny how <laughs> these three guys in the race are like complete jackasses. Yeah. And and in this movie, they're like a complete opposite of that. They're just kind of like nice dudes, party guys, you know, out for the are these, you know, is, are these Is one of these the guy that was drinking transmission fluid throughout the movie? No, that guy's not in this movie. He hung out oh, okay. with... One of them. One of them is the guy that hung out with him, uh, like the dark haired kid in the black hoodie, the kind of yeah. scrawny guy. He was yeah. the one that hung out with him. That guy, I don't know what happened to that guy. <laughs> he probably drank transmission fluid in real life. His mom and the authorities are still trying to figure out where he came from. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's like a fucking, yeah. I just showed up on set one day. Well, Peaches is making fun of these surf bums, and Lulu is making eyes with Wayno. The guy's head inside, and everybody stops to notice them. Now, Billy and Troy head over to talk to Lulu and Peaches. Wayno kind of intervenes, and this immediately becomes a Three Stooges scene, complete with cartoon sound effects. Oh, my God, yeah. And with Wayno as Mo. Billy and Troy as Larry and Curly. He tells he tells Troy to grab his ear, and Troy does, and then Wayno pulls his arm, and he it makes Troy basically drag himself off by his own ear. Yeah. <laughs> the guys pile into a booth while Lulu moons over Wayno. Try to say that three times fast. Oh, hell no. I have trouble with Nick Cassavetti's name. <laughs> Peaches warns Lulu against surf bums outside. A deputy pulls into the parking lot and he notices the license plate on Peaches' car. So he pulls up to the diner. 
while inside drivers are sexually harassing Darlene, the waitress. This is Officer Arnie Arbery, and he enters and pulls his gun on Peaches and Darlene, placing them under arrest. So Peaches does the only reasonable thing, and she takes their new friend Darlene hostage, causing a diner patron to shout out, Oh no, a bimbo with a gun! Oh my god. The, she pulls a gun on the chick, and it just goes through like this random crowd. They go, you know, it goes to surfer guys, and it goes to the patrons. And shit. The patron faces in this shit, the way they react to that. And then you get that <laughs> ADR. Then you get the ADR. Oh no! Bimbo with a gun! You know, it's like, it's just fucking funny as fuck. <laughs> well, Arnie puts his gun down, and Lulu and Peaches leave with their hostage as they get to the door. Well, Lulu has to take the opportunity to shove more pancakes into her mouth before she'll get up from the table because uh, they were yeah, free, free pancakes. Free I mean, pancakes. who's who is going to turn down free pancakes? Not me. That's her Not damn me sure. either. Hell yeah. I have never walked away from a free pancake. The deputy swears to rescue Darlene and a trucker tries to stop Lulu. Until Wayno gets up and, and knocks the trucker out with just one punch. <laughs> Lulu and Wayno stand there and make eyes at each other for a few minutes. <laughs> then Peaches, who has backed up to the door with Darlene, yells, Eat lead bozos, and she fires a shot, which shoots a poor ceramic donkey that was just minding its own damn business. Then the bullet magically ricochets to hit a water glass, a pan held up by the cook, and a salt shaker. And then Peaches and Lulu just start screaming and run out of the diner. Like they scare themselves <laughs> trying to scare people. Yeah. All three of them run out screaming. They jump in Peaches' car. Peaches takes the opportunity to shoot the tires out of the cop car, and then they speed away. Hell yeah. On the road, Peaches apologizes for scaring Darlene. Darlene says, well, you kidnapped the wrong person because nobody's going to pay my ransom. <laughs> but Darlene's got it all wrong. They pull over on a desert road, and Peaches explains that this whole hostage thing was a big misunderstanding. They didn't kidnap Darlene. They rescued Darlene, and if she doesn't like it, well, she can just leave. That's some toxic shit right there. <laughs> that sounds like some people I've dated. Darlene starts to leave, but they're in the middle of nowhere, so she's going to go to Mexico with Peaches and Lulu because well, why the hell not? She needs a vacation anyway. Any port in a fucking storm. The surfers are back on roads on the road and smoking pot. They are way behind schedule. In the other car, Darlene is navigating since Lulu can't read a map for some reason. Google Maps hadn't been invented yet, so we still had to use paper maps back. Oh man, those big ugly road atlases that like smelled like crap and they had like coffee stains on them. And you could never get them folded back up right. Oh hell no. While Troy and Billy give Wayno a hard time for liking Lulu, Peaches has to pull her shirt off while she's driving because, you know, we got to see we got to see her bra. That's the rules of the movie. Yeah, that was the movie. 
In the back seat, Darlene is going through all of Peach's costumes. She pulls out the bubble-covered bra and starts to put it on her head until she realizes it's actually a bra. Yeah. <laughs> she asks what kind of dancers they are. She said, we're go-go dancers. And she said, well, isn't that a little passe? And Peach just gets really offended by that and says that go-go dancing is a highly respected classical art. No, it's yeah, not. <laughs> what? Hey, okay. I'm, I'm not showing this. I got I to check some facts, but I'm pretty sure it, like, you know, originates from France or something. And, you know, that place is just full of the brim with culture. Okay. Right? All right. All right. We're going to go with that for right now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it, until citation. Citation needed. But, yeah, asterisk. And the other car, the surfers, are shotgunning light beer as they drive down the road. And then they break out their massive bong-like bong PVC drain pipe. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm pretty sure this one is a, of those kids. four-inch pipe with an elbow on it. And, and, you know, they're using it like a Sherlock pipe. I'm pretty sure one of them's like an engineer or some shit. Because that's, that's probably got like some kind of fan or something <laughs> built in. <laughs> Now, there's no smoke at all there's a, there's until the camera smoke. cuts to the exterior shot of the car, and then smoke is just pouring out of the windows. Yeah. It looks like a, like a homemade fog machine. Yes. The pipe does, yeah. No. Darlene directs Peaches to turn onto a two-lane road through the desert. There is a car following them, and Lulu is starting to freak out until it turns out that car is the surfer's. <laughs> Also, Darlene wants to change into one of Peach's costumes, and when the surfers drove by, it startled her, and she broke a nail. That's okay, because Peach's has a gigantic tube of super glue in her bag, because you have to be prepared for anything when you're a go-go dancer. Fucking A. Meanwhile, the surfers have run out of gas, and they coast into what they call the secret hidden gas station in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> man, that's got to be like the shit. Yeah. Like way, way better than Bucky's, man. It's like uh, no one knows about this place. It's exclusive. <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere. Wayno oh, knew yeah. about it because he got ESP from LSD. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Wayno with the clips. Yep. The place kind of reminds me of that one gas station from uh, Highway to Hell. It's a lot like that one. Yeah. The attendant named Ricky, or Rick, he does not like them very much. And so he just flips the full-service sign over to self-service and tells them to pump their own gas. He's not doing anything uh -huh. for them. While they're getting gas, the women arrive, and Rick, the gas station attendant, is all smiles and helpful for them. Meanwhile, Billy and Troy flirt with Darlene and Peaches, and off to the side... Wayno and Lulu fall in love. It's kind of funny because Billy is flirting with Peaches. She's obviously not interested. He's not giving up. He says he likes her hair color. He has a surfboard that's the same color as her hair. <laughs> and she tells him to fuck off. <laughs> and they say romance is dead. Yeah, that's poetry right there. Uh. Well, the guys pay the attendant and leave with a final cowabunga. There's lots of cowabungas in this movie. Well, you know, it was that time frame. It was like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. 
Rick informs the women that uh, they have a carburetor problem and it's going to cost them $100 to fix it. But it turns out Peaches is a skilled mechanic and she just rebuilt that carburetor. There can't be anything wrong with it. Peaches, Darlene, and Lulu go around to the front of the car to inspect the engine, giving Rick a massive eyeful of booty. <laughs> uh, while they're occupied looking under the hood, he goes around and goes through their bags, steals all their money, and then freaks out when he finds the gun. Peaches catches him, and he gives her back the money and says that they must be the killer bimbos the police are looking for. Well, that's all Peaches needed to hear. They're going to take care of Rick. They back Rick up against the wall. And Peaches super glues Rick's hands to the wall with toothpaste, and they leave it <laughs> there. It's that blue gel toothpaste, but yeah. it says super glue on the tube. So apparently, it's blue well, gel super glue. It says that on the tube on the yellow piece of paper that they glued onto the tube. <laughs> but hey, it works. On the road, Lulu is kind of bummed because she thinks she's ugly. And Peaches and Darlene try to convince her otherwise. They're going to help her with her packaging by giving her a makeover. Sounds like a makeover montage. It sounds like a makeover montage is coming up. They find a place to pull over on a dirt road in the middle of the desert. And this is where the music starts. We get lots of dancing. The only gratuitous nudity in the film. And the result of this makeover montage is Lulu in a strapless mini dress and Barbie pink heels and a little bit of makeup. Exactly. And she let her hair down. She let her hair down too. That's the thing. They'll they'll let the hair down and if they're wearing glasses, they'll take the glasses off. But that's That's it. Basically, this is the same woman. Yeah. Well, Darlene is getting philosophical about karma as they head back out on the road. They meet an old couple broken down on the side of the road, and Peaches is going to try to get them some good karma by helping these this couple out. There's something wrong with their car, and they don't know what it would be. The guy at the filling station up the road just fixed their carburetor. That bastard. He got him. He got him. Meanwhile, at the filling station, Rick has broken free and is calling the police. Back out on the road, Peaches is fixing the car with manicure supplies. She's using nail polish and tweezers to get this car running again. A little bit of Aquanet as starter fluid. And we find out that Lulu can twirl a baton. (laughs) Back in their car, which is now running, the old couple turn on the radio and hear a be on the lookout for the bimbos. And we hear a cop car coming up up the highway. So they head back to their car to get away, but cop car pulls up before they can get off. The sheriff and his deputy are there to arrest him. His deputy, named Walter, played by the one and only Eddie Deason. Dees! Man. <laughs> hey, Mike, remember Dees? Back in uh, episode one of Laser Blast? That's our buddy from Laser Blast, yeah. Eddie Deason. Also appeared Weird in guy. War Games, Polar Express, Grease, Dexter's Laboratory, SpongeBob SquarePants, Cow and Chicken, and Spy Hard. Uh, he's so popular that he's got two Facebooks, and I can't be friends with him because he's got too many friends. 
He has two Facebooks. That's and crazy. No room for me. Yeah, no. I, I like no. Mark Eaton's. You're classic, man. I loved you in Moving Violations with uh, Bill Murray's brother and shit. Now, unfortunately, Eddie Deason living life with mental illness now. He, he currently, currently his uh, ex-wife and his manager are his legal guardians now. Oh, yeah. He's, he's had a rough couple of years, man. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, the sheriff and the deputy are there to arrest the girls. They order them to turn around and put their hands on the car. And when they do, and the sheriff sees them from behind, he decides they need to be frisked to see what's under their dresses. That's when we find out that apparently Peaches studied kickboxing with Chuck Norris. <laughs> nice. And she takes both of them out. Then they pile on into the car and speed away. Walter and the sheriff are in pursuit of the killer bimbos, so we get our car chase scene. It's one of those weird-ass, like, Scooby-Doo car chases. Yes. Now, the sheriff tries to run them off the road as they speed past the surfers. The surfers catch up to them, and they run interference so the women can get away, but the sheriff has a plan. He's going to take the shortcut and cut him off, which, because movie, absolutely works. <laughs> It's like a bunch of jumbled editing of like long shots of the cars and stuff. And then, yep, shots from the swerving from one side of the road to the other. And none of it makes sense. It's just all edited together. And then, like, all of a sudden, the surfer guys are there. Then they're not. Then they're there again and they're running interference. Yeah, it's just a jumbled mess. It, it does just make it feel like a Scooby Doo episode at the end where they're like just crossing the hallways and shit. Yeah. No well, Lulu's got a plan. And she starts throwing lingerie at him <laughs> and covering up the windshield. And that works, of course. I love when they do that in movies. <laughs> yeah, it'll land right on the window and then it's stuck there. Yeah. It's kind of like when the hood pops up, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, who did that? I don't know. And then it, you get that, like, great stunt thing where, like, uh, the stunt's so good that they had to get two or three cameras on it. Yeah. Uh, they can't see. So the sheriff. Kind of runs off the road a little bit. He hits a car that's parked on the side of the road, which causes it to flip over and roll down an embankment, but does not explode, it's violating the rule of low-budget movies that any car that flips over must explode. Especially if it's American-made and it's, like, below 98. Like, if yes. it's, like, an older car and it flips over, that's going to explode. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Peaches is lost, but Darlene knows maps, and they are 10 miles from the Mexican border. This is where the movie started to get really, really funny for me. Now, I liked the Three Stooges bit early on, and, and, and the car chase was kind of corny and all, but this is where it started getting funny for me. They arrive at the border checkpoint where a guard is listening to a radio broadcast from beautiful downtown Jalapeno, Mexico. Peaches knows some Spanish, so she's going to talk to the border guard. And she asks if everything is cool. He shakes his head no, and she thinks she's asking if they are cool in Spanish, but instead she asks him if he wants her ass. <laughs> And he's done at this point. He just throws his hands up, walks off, and opens the gate and motions them to go through. Yeah, I, I've, I'm done with this job today. Uh, I'm going I'm to take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, they arrive at the beach in Jalapeno, Mexico to find some surfers dancing by a sign for Jalapeno, Mexico. They pull into a motel, and the place is apparently a dump. Um, Peaches knew some criminals who would use it as a hideout from time to time, so it is a no-tell motel. This, in real life, is the Tropic Motel in Lancaster, California, which is still in business and is still a flop house. Yeah, they're still not telling, man, and I got to respect them for that. <laughs> it's got two stars on TripAdvisor. Go check it out. Yeah. This is that movie where that, uh, or this is that place where that movie was filmed. And this is the spot where that guy died. Yeah, no. And, I mean, the movie makes it out as a really crappy hotel, too, so. Oh, yeah, no. I don't know. It'd be kind of cool, like, to go see and, like, get in that wooden door frame and scream, where the fuck is my boyfriend? (laughs) I mean, any business that you have to open a sliding glass door to get into that that's a bad place to be yeah it it looks like they went from an exceptionally shot of a hotel to somebody's like crappy bar in their like trailer house you know but i bet it was the actual motel no it is the actual motel that you you tell about like (laughs) you keep on watching a movie and you're like oh no that's that's not an establishment so that's actually how that place is Well, they ring the bell and Hernandez, the waiter, comes around the corner to see who it is. When he sees the women there, he ditches his tray of drinks and his white waiter's jacket, rips off his fake mustache, and becomes Hernandez, the front desk clerk. (laughs) Hernandez is played by Clayton Landy, and we have seen him as George Ruiz in The Blob in episode 46. He was also in Scary Movie 5, Stargate Atlantis, Babylon 5, and Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Yeah, I love that one. But yeah, this guy, I've seen him, like, yeah, we just went down the list. He's great in, like, comedic small parts. And so he he really comes in this movie. Yeah, he shines in this one. Peaches wants a room with a private bath, and he goes, yeah, you need a bath. (laughs) (laughs) She says, no, we don't want to take a bath. We want a roomo with a bathroomo. Her her Spanglish is bad, too. Language problems just keep piling up for Peaches, and she ends up asking about Hernandez's balls, and they've requested a room with a man with big balls. So there we go. <laughs> Hernandez is going to go prepare the room for them. When the surfers show up and they throw the door open and yell, Hernandez, and he just falls on his face on the floor. Now, apparently, these guys come here every year to surf on Jalapeno Beach in Jalapeno, Mexico. Spring break, man. Yeah. Well, they invite Hernandez to their room later on to party. The women kind of pair off with the surfers. Wayno tells Lulu that he thinks her new look is shit. That A woman as pretty as her shouldn't have to wear makeup, so she kisses him. The women then head to the pool and margaritas. At the pool, there is a really sorry mariachi band playing for Vinny and Poodles. (laughs) It's a bad mariachi band. There's two guys with trumpets and one guy with the ukulele. Oh, what's worse is they're not playing them. They're just holding them. Yeah. 
And the guy like with the maracas is just like holding them. Yeah, a guy with maracas, a guy with the ukulele, and a guy with a trumpet. The trumpet's not even at his lips. He's just holding it with his arms. Not even. And he's just shaking it. It works, though. It's funny. (laughs) Hernandez has switched back to his waiter costume, and he chases off the mariachi band. The women are hiding behind a wall, listening to Vinny and Poodles. It turns out that they are hiding out here until things cool down about the murder of Shifty Joe. And Poodles hates it here. But Vinny, Vinny knows how to make Poodles happy. And he starts tickling her and they run back to their room to fool around. Peaches is hatching a plan to get Vinny. They need Darlene to dress up and lure Vinny back to the room. Lulu, meanwhile, is trying to figure out what Wayno meant when she said that she was too pretty that someone as pretty as her shouldn't need makeup. Uh, that's when Hernandez appears as Juan, the room service gigolo that Peaches ordered. <laughs> Peaches finally figures out what she's done at this point. <laughs> she's kind of kind of embarrassed. She says she gives Juan some money and says, you know what, all three of us suddenly have headaches. So she sends Juan off and he says that if she changes her mind, she just needs to call 976 Juan. <laughs> also, I like how like each character he is, his mustache changes and his yes. uniform changes. Yes. Well, they dress Darlene up and send her out to lure Vinny back to the room. Vinny and Poodles are dressed up in stereotypical Mexican costumes and hanging out in the bar. Darlene walks by, and of course, Vinny is eyeballing her, and Poodles catches him. Peaches and Darlene are watching from behind a curtain. Vinny orders some more drinks and one for Darlene. Poodles is sitting right next to him, and he's buying drinks for this other woman. I don't know what the hell he's thinking. <laughs> Hernandez pours Darlene a margarita, which she chugs and is instantly drunk. Poodle sees Vinny making eyes at Darlene, and she storms out, saying that she's going to go find another man. Then she storms right back in and demands that Vinny go take her out to another restaurant to get shrimp. <laughs> well, as Vinny leaves, Darlene hands him a note with her room number on it and says, later tonight, you and me. Room 23. I mean, that's romance right there. Oh, yeah. And then he takes the note and, like, pockets it and then yep. walks off and she instantly almost throws up there at the bar. <laughs> Back in the room, Darlene is pissed with Peaches, but it doesn't last long because Vinny shows up. So Peaches and Darlene hide in the closet. Darlene lets Vinny in. He brought champagne and flowers, and he's sorry it took so long because it took a lot of booze to get Poodles drunk enough to finally pass out. (laughs) You gotta just like (laughs) scandalous, man. Yeah, that other chick, uh, I had to get a real drunk so I can get up here. So, uh, okay, can we start making it? Or, uh, <laughs> like, this slime is fucking shit, dude. <clears throat> yeah. They drink a toast, and Vinny immediately starts getting undressed. He's got a, he's got a schedule to keep here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I got 15 minutes. Uh, that's enough, you know, for we spoke and go another round. So, hey, let's buy it. Pops of champagne, you know, got some little plastic glasses and shit. <laughs> I got this champagne at the Dollar Tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with no pants. Uh, that was kind of impressive. He like pops open the champagne with no pants. Like, 
<laughs> he had fingers on when he had the bottle, and then no, I, I don't know. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> well, he wants to hang his jacket up in the closet, and Darlene stops him because, you know, Peaches and Lulu are in there. She offers to hang it up for him, and when she opens the closet, Peaches tells her to get his gun away from him. He's got a gun in a shoulder holster. He says that he can hear her heart beating, and she said, well, that's not my heart. That's my knees knocking. And she reaches for the gun, and Vinny, Vinny stops her and goes, what the hell are you doing? And that's when she asks him to put the gun away because when she was little, her daddy shot himself in the leg, and so she's afraid of guns. And he agrees. He can't say no to her for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts taking off his pants. In the closet, Peaches and Lulu attempt to jump out, and but the door is stuck. They can't get it open because there's no doorknob on the inside of this sliding door. Oh, that's bullshit, man. It's it's <laughs> like some old ass like fucking closet door that barely clasps. Like you can oh, yeah. breathe on it funny and it, it'll pop open. It's the kind of door that a seven-year-old could accidentally fall all the way through and two adults can't open it. Yeah. I may or may not know that a seven-year-old can fall through that door because I fell through that door when I was seven. Yeah, no, I was about to say you fell through that door. No, Nobody can prove anything, though. <laughs> it's the kind of door that Mike Myers gets stuck in and then gets stabbed in the eye with a coat hanger. <laughs> <laughs> well, Darlene is trying to stall. She says she wants to hang up her dress because it's polyester and it wrinkles like a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she opens up the closet, tells Peaches and Lulu to get out here, and they jump out. They wrestle with the pantsless Vinny in Storm's poodles. She's drunk and wants to know where her boyfriend is, and they Bad. start fight. She starts fighting Darlene. That fucking scene where she just like kicks that like for one, the lead up because it's like two chicks wrestling on the bed, so that looks bad. That's a compromising situation anyway. You right, and then she kicks the fucking door open, and it's like ugly crying. It's like, "Where's my boyfriend?" And it's just, <laughs> oh man, this is about to go down. Well, she's got Darlene uh, by the throat, holding her against the wall. Peaches fights off poodles. And then Vinny gets the gun away from Lulu, and he orders all the bimbos on the bed. Vinny is going to kill all three of them, but he's going to take his time because he's never off no broads before. <laughs> they start give him the fucking puppy doll crying face and shit. Yeah. Oh, God. He tells Lulu that she is a terrible dancer. And that killing her will be his contribution to mankind. And she starts ugly crying. That's when Wayno and the boys show up. Wayno and the boys would have been a good name for a lounge band playing in a motel way off the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah. Also, it'd been really cool if you had Wayne Newton's kid in it. <laughs> Vinny points the gun at Wayno, and while he's distracted, Lulu sprays hairspray in Vinny's eyes. Peaches starts tying him up after he falls on the bed. Wayno and the guys, they, they decide it's probably best to be somewhere else right now, and they back out of the room quick. That's funny as shit. <laughs> like, there's so much shit. Like, it happens in, like, less than a minute, but it's like the boys enter the door frame with flowers in their hand, and like, hey, babes. Yeah. 
And then they goes to like the inside of the room and it's like a dude with no pants holding a gun, the three babes and this other babe, like red faced mad. And they're like, Oh, what the fuck? And then that's when the hairspray attack and they get and they start trying and that's yeah, they, they like just kind of slowly fold out and they're like, eh, Yeah, we'll you know uh, we'll catch up with you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all seem to be busy. Uh, I don't know, you know, it's like <laughs> That's when Officer Arbery shows up to rescue Darlene. He always keeps his word. Uh, he's also going to arrest Peaches and Lulu, but Darlene stands up for him. Peaches starts telling the Broadway story again, and fortunately, they cut straight to the ending. Uh, uh, they've told the whole story, and Officer Arbery believes him. And since he doesn't have any authority in Mexico anyway... He's going to take Vinny and Poodles in for now, and we'll just sort the rest of it out later. <laughs> I don't have any jurisdiction down here. I don't. I can't actually do anything, so I'm going to arrest these guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to illegally extradite these wanted criminal peoples. Yeah. He wants to take Darlene back with him, but she has decided to stay in Mexico with Peaches and Lulu, and Darlene finds... After they've gone, Darlene finds all the money in Vinny's jacket, the money that he stole from Shifty Joe. They are going to keep this for the trouble that Vinny caused them, and they are all going on vacation. Cut to bikini sunbathing shots of Peaches, Lulu, and Darlene as they watch surfers. Wayno and the boys show up. They are all paired off with the women now. Freeze frame. And a title card announces Bimbo Barbecue. The sizzling saga continues. It ain't Except, gonna No, that never actually happened. There is a photocopy on the internet of an ad in a magazine advertising that principal photography was scheduled to begin in June 1989. And on of a sort of a related note, there's a company called Bimbo Bakeries USA that makes hamburger buns for your barbecue sandwiches if you're interested. I love buns. Then we get a cowabunga and roll credits. Cowabunga! <laughs> that was, oh man, that was something else. Like you can see, like if you see it, like on TV, like on USA, yeah, like, we're gonna cut the nudity out. So it it, it it's like a really wholesome uh, exploitation movie. Yeah, they they would cut out the nudity. It was very brief nudity anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, no, and all of the profanity, and it it's yeah on USA up all night. Rhonda Shear. <laughs> All right, man, I think that's a podcast. Oh, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at cdfpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to patreon.com slash cdfpod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.